0: Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keen on, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello everybody, it is December the 21st, a Wednesday 2022, 10 days left of the year, and we are spending much of the rest of the year on Keen on. Uh, evaluating or re-evaluating 2022 and beginning to try to think forward to 2023. I'm inviting on back on some of my favorite guests who appeared on the show in 2022. Um, And one of those guests was uh, Alison Gilbert. Um, She has uh, a wonderful new book out uh, called Listen World. It's a book about um, the intrepid Uh, female American journalist, uh, Elsie Robinson. The book is, of course, called Listen World. And and we had a wonderful chat earlier this year. And I'm thrilled that um, Allison is back. She's talking to us from New York. Alison, I'm going to ask you a really unfair question, but uh, you agreed to this question, so don't blame me. Um, What kind of year was 2022 for women? was it a good year a bad year or is it just such a dumb question that you can't answer it
1: no first of all you were saying that you're having back on some of your favorite guests I feel honored because you are one of my favorite outlets to have done an interview with for this new book so right back at you we're
0: having a real love fest today Allison um
1: so, well, I would before say,
0: we start, just very briefly, because not everyone will have seen the original show, very briefly, tell us about Elsie uh, Robinson and your book, Listen Why, because it's a fascinating story.
1: Thank you. Elsie Robinson was a badass. <laughs> she was a woman who came from nothing. She was poor. She had no connections. And she became, through her own incredible moxie, talent and grit the highest paid woman writer in the entire William Randolph Hearst media Empire so she was quite extraordinary
0: and of course she's an inspiration uh, I assume to you and many not just young women young men and certainly journalists so let's let's get back to 2022 yeah. um, uh Allison what yeah. What are the key events? I mean, we, we had Catherine Stewart on the show at the beginning of the week as an expert on religious nationalism, and she, of course, brought up the issue of abortion. Is that perhaps the worst news for women in 2022?
1: Yeah, well, the sp- Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade is monumental. At this point, while we are talking today... There are 13 states in this country, in the United States, that are restricting access to abortion to such a degree that it might as well not even be a possibility. That's extraordinary.
0: And can we blame everything on what Stuart sees as religious nationalism, certainly the nationalism of And I'm not sure if nationalism is the right word to describe the Catholic tilt on the Supreme Court.
1: Well, there certainly is an airing. There certainly is a bubbling up of those exact sentiments. There is pressure to fall into line in this far more agitated Republican, far more conservative party than we have seen in decades. And really what it amounts to is that it throws away really 50 years of safe and legal access to abortions in the United States. And to me, when you have asked me, Andrew, about the stories of 2022 that really have consequence. And not just for those 13 states, because now, of course, women are trying to figure out where to go to take care of their own basic reproductive health care. It really affects the entire country.
0: We had a British feminist on the show earlier in the year in June, Catherine uh, Angel. her argument is that when it comes to the abortion issue, that girls need to take sexual risks if they're to grow up to become women. Is this one of the arguments you would make in terms of the problems with very strict laws on abortion?
1: No, not at all. I, I feel like that is, uh, to me, not even where I would begin. I think that reproductive health care is just simply health care. I don't think we need to add a layer to that about sexual liberation. I don't think we have to. It could be a part of the conversation, but if you go down to its core, as I look at my eyes and I go see someone to make sure that I'm seeing appropriately, as I look to someone to check my heart when I go see a physician for my annual physical, My reproductive health as a woman is core and basic, and I, as a human being, should have complete autonomy over my health care. That's it.
0: What would Elsie say or write if we were able to bring her back to life to address this issue in 2022?
1: Oh, well, she, listen, one of her greatest quotes kind of gives you a feeling of where she would go. A decade before Gloria Steinem was even born, she really pressed and really nudged and prodded about why women were not being given equal rights to men just to do the same functions, to have the same access. And those are questions that were taken up by Betty Friedan years later. I mentioned Gloria Steinem. She sounded the alarm far earlier than those other feminists, and yet she's been lost to history. But I will say this, there is a reason why she has been lost to history and other women who have such dynamic voices like Elsie Robinson. There has been a steady erasure of women's history in this country. And it's not just me saying that, the National Women's History Museum has said that of all the historical figures taught in US public schools, only 24% are women. And so if we're not taught about women's history, we can't learn women's history. And a basic question about reproductive health, it gets confused because really when it comes down to it, It's about our bodies and controlling our own selves and our own futures.
0: Uh, Alison, you you mentioned what, and I'm quoting your your words, the erasure of women's history. Is that uh, a problem, a development which has been compounded in 2022? Is it bound up in book banning or in other... Um, prohibitive censorous behavior in the united states in particular
1: i think it's a really interesting question and i would say that it's not a kind of binary black and white answer in one way in one way our educational system is still what some experts call doggedly masculine And what they mean by that is when you look at how students are taught history and social studies in our classrooms, kindergarten through 12th grade, it's through the lens of economy, politics, war and peace, land transactions, as opposed to those areas where women have tended to be the most influential over time, the arts, civil rights labor rights of course journalism in the case of Elsie Robinson and those dynamics while improving are still very much in place
0: are there particular events controversies in 2022 that come to mind in in this context
1: well I'm going to tell you something else you had asked me about what are those uh, events of 2020 of 2022 rather that have been really, you know, striking to me, one, of course, we've already talked about, which is Roe v. Wade, but I do want to make sure that we have time to talk about what is going on in Iran. That, to me, is a revolution happening. We don't have access as readily to those images because, of course, we don't have boots on the ground to get those images back, but here is what we are learning. Those women who are protesting the death of a 22-year-old woman for just how she was dressed, here's what's remarkable. The fighting, the riots that are happening there, women taking to the streets to make sure that their voices are heard, the injuries they are suffering from the police Here's what I found so shocking. The Guardian is now reporting that the injuries women are suffering are different than the men. And here's what they are saying. This is
0: the the injuries in Iran itself in the process. Yes.
1: The Iranian forces are shooting at the faces and genitalia of women purposefully. The injuries that they are treating are directly because they are indeed women who are trying to have a voice. And the doctors and nurses are seeing a difference in the wounds than what men are suffering. Can you imagine that, Andrew? They are purposely going to the faces of women. They're going to their genitalia, their breasts. That is where they're trying to leave their mark to prohibit them from having their voice. I think what is going on in Iran is another incredible story of
0: 2022. Alison, is there a connection between the, the rise of religious nationalism in the United States and what's happening in Iran in 2022? I was uh, going
1: to ask you that question. Well, you're you- the expert. I'm, no, I'm, I'm just
0: here to ask questions.
1: I'm curious what you think. I have my theory, but I'm wondering what your thoughts are. Well,
0: you go first, and then I'll tell you what I think.
1: Oh, well, I do. I think that our world is porous these days. I think that with the ups and downs of social media, it's a blessing and a curse. I think that ideas, whether we like them or not, spread faster and further and penetrate perhaps more deeply than we have seen, you know, in our entire lifetimes and perhaps, you know, obviously in generations. And so I feel that we can both blame and bless um, how news is circulated these days and fanaticism as you were just talking is a part of that conversation. So what do you think?
0: I agree. I think there is a degree of, shall we call it, male nervousness about uh, what nervous men might call uppity women in Iran. Uh, and, of course, in the United States, articulated, I guess, by by Trump. I'm curious, though, uh, and and his supporters, what are the role of some women in this movement? Marjorie Taylor Greene, for example, comes to mind, one of the most um, controversial figures on the religious right in America. Uh, Why are there a number of women involved in squashing women's rights and erasing women's history?
1: That's a good question. I don't know the answers completely to that line of thinking. I think it's worth contemplating. I think you'll have to have on other guests who are far more uh, equipped to go down that lane than I am. But here's what I will offer, because I want to make sure that you and I have time to discuss the positive story. Yeah, I was
0: going to, don't worry, we're going to get to the, the cheerful stuff.
1: Yes, I want to just. I have one amazing story that's brand new for women in 2022. Are you ready for it?
0: Absolutely. I'm always ready for good news.
1: Okay. So I want to talk about an author that I admire. You know, as a writer, I got to go to the writer author stories. And Colleen Hoover, you've heard of her, no doubt, this incredible novelist. Yes. Well, here is what Publishers Weekly is just now saying about her. I'm going to read it because I can't believe it. It's extraordinary. Just this year, in 2022, Colleen Hoover will be outselling the following male juggernauts. Stephen King, James Patterson, and John Grisham. It's extraordinary. She is. Is this a female a publisher- story,
0: though? I mean, is it is it important that she's a woman? I mean, she could theoretically be a man, and and there are some best selling women writers working in the traditional publishing industry too.
1: Oh, I think it is a woman's story because she has marketed geniusly. There are so many ways that we as writers, we as authors, try to get equal access to the media. Get reviews. And we know the stats are lined up against women. We are not published as often in the op-ed pages. The reviews about women are not equal to the reviews of men who write their books. So the fact that Colleen Hoover is upending the industry, I think the number is, her latest book called It Starts With Us has already sold In this day, in this country, 12.5 million copies. And you know what else Colleen Hoover does, which I think is extraordinary? She has harnessed the power of TikTok. And I love that. So she is not only an exceptional writer, she is not only prolific, but now she is being acknowledged as being an incredible brand ambassador for her own work. And that is something that I think women can really learn from and be empowered by. It's a bottom line business and she is selling copies.
0: It's good news, certainly. It's certainly good news for Colleen Hoover. Um, uh, What about the generational uh, aspect, Alison, to the narrative about women in 2022? Of course, it's the year where we finally seem to be exiting from COVID, although it seems to be back in some ways, I guess. Um, We've done a number of shows on the mental illness pandemic afflicting young American women. We did one with the the writer Kylie Leddy earlier this year and a number of other shows. Is there something in particular which is afflicting on the mental illness front, young American women in 2022? What's happening on that front in your view?
1: I'll talk about young Americans Broadly, I don't know particularly if we necessarily do a service to the story by breaking it down by gender. I think that young people in college or in high school or young adults who are just beginning their jobs, what's happening is that some of what we have taken for granted is no longer possible. Here's an example if you have gone to university if you went to college during part of covid and you were just now graduating and pivoting to that first job you have now lost the opportunity in most cases to learn from your colleagues in person some places of work are still operating full-time remotely or some offices are a hybrid pattern where perhaps maybe three days a week you're in the office and two days a week you're still at home on Zoom. Those interpersonal conversations, the serendipity of running into a colleague or your boss in the hallway, those are in large measures taken away. And so the ability to learn by even observing others, being invited into a meeting to see how others navigate complex office politics, that's hard. And so if you don't have the ability to learn from people in person, forge those really important first kind of career relationships, you can see how that would be really detrimental.
0: So it's not a gender thing. It's affecting young men as as much as young women.
1: I think so, for sure. I don't think it does anyone a service to make this a gender issue. I think we have seen that this is impacting young people broadly. And I think it does a disservice to the mental health of the young people in the United States to say this is only um, a young woman problem, or it's only a young male problem. I think we have seen with the explosion of self-harm, the incredible increase of suicide rates in this country. This is a problem across the board, and we need to pay attention to it. And I think that these lingering ongoing work habits that are still with us because of COVID-19, this inability to only rely on in-person communication, it's taking a toll because it's ongoing. And it doesn't seem like there's going to be a complete end in sight on a certain day. It's not like we're gonna turn into 2023 and we're all gonna be five days a week young people in our first jobs back in the office. I think it's hard.
0: What about on the wage front? We did a show actually in December of last year uh, with Claudia Golding, one of the authorities on uh, quantifying the gender wage gap. Also did one with the British journalist, Marianne Sieghart on why men are still not taking women seriously, um, particularly in terms of their pay. Any any uh, information, anything on that front, um, Allison, in terms of whether women are still being uh, being uh, rewarded financially uh, much uh, in, in a discriminatory way when it comes to wages.
1: The best news on this front just came to New York today this week. Our governor is making wage transparency a thing, a must do in New York state. It is not any longer possible to go for a job and be in the dark. You will know the wage band that a certain job is offering. That is really and particularly important to women who are usually not as good and, uh, uh, savvy when it comes to negotiation because they think that perhaps they're lucky to be getting a certain job. They don't particularly always, and it's been proven with studies and books that have been written about this very topic. They don't feel as emboldened as men to. Right, we
0: did a, a show with Lisa Vesterlund yes. uh, on the No Club. She and three other female business writers. Yes. Uh, I, I'm you're probably familiar with her, yes. Or,
1: oh my gosh, of course. Only do work that's going to advance your career, either. right? Her
0: argument is don't sit on worthless committees, which yes. only waste your time. Don't bring
1: in the cupcakes,
0: <laughs> don't bring yes. in the cupcakes,
1: don't bring in the cupcakes, do work and that don't make
0: going- the cupcakes either.
1: Yeah, don't make them. Don't bring them in. Do promotable work. Women need to be more savvy and smart when it comes to their line of trajectory. And this comes to what we were just talking about, about wage transparency. And this impacts women who get paid less than men so now if you know if you're not in the dark anymore and you know what the band is going to be in terms of the salary you are better equipped to be treated more fairly that is huge that is just happening right now in new york state where i mean perhaps
0: it's no coincidence that the new york governor is a woman
1: oh well
0: Uh, one wonders whether andrew cuomo who of course was thrown out because of his crimes or potential crimes against women it's, it's unlikely he would have passed something like that
1: well you know what i think that new york is a progressive state and so i count myself among the many women who find themselves very lucky to live here i think being left in the dark and being expected to know behind the curtain what the salaries are of a particular job It's almost a fool's errand. How can you know? You can try to do your homework. You can call up friends. You can email them. You could text them, but it's not going to give you the entire picture, the full picture, and you will lose out money because of that. And that doesn't only matter to a woman in their paycheck every year. It matters over the cumulative lifespan of how you accrue wealth. If you're consistently underpaid, it adds up.
0: Yeah, um, I think you're saying women should be bolder. We did a show with Christy Hunter-Arscott, who has uh, this year, who has a whole book on boldness with women. What else in 2023, um, Alison, would you suggest? I think you're you're arguing that women need to be more selfish with their time. They need to be bolder. What else?
1: Well, I would take issue with being selfish. I don't think it's selfish to be careful about your time even that question andrew i think puts women on the defensive it is not selfish to take care of
0: your own well uh, but I, I mean that word in a in it's the it, it's a word that's often used by men to criticize others and my point is it's you know whether or not it really is selfish people need to be selfish whether they're male or female if they want to get on in their careers and they don't want to get saddled with waste of time worthless work
1: i think being i think that word and i don't want to go on too long about it that connotes that we are denying something to somebody else as opposed to just taking care of our own needs being selfish kind of means that you're kind of denying somebody else their time or their worth. And I feel like women can do it all. You can take care of your own needs, be that financial, be that having a political voice. And of course, women are always, that's what's so exhausting sometimes about being a woman, taking care of the needs of others. And so I feel like we can wear Multiple hats and having this wage transparency that we've been talking about in New York State takes one of those burdens off. There's one less piece of the puzzle that we need to interrogate when we go to find that new job or explore that new career.
0: Finally, uh, you know, I definitely take your point on wage transparency and, and a critical piece in the puzzle. Is there another key piece that you would like? in a regulatory or legislative sense, addressed or fought for in 2023?
1: Well, I am a big proponent of having more access for less money for child care when your children are young. I'm a mom. I have a son and a daughter. If I had access to less expensive child care when they were babies, when they were toddlers before they were five and six and could go to off to kindergarten that would have been a tremendous way of equalizing the burden for young workers or older workers depending on when you have your family for those of us who want to contribute with our genetic DNA to reproduce, that is going to ultimately help the American economy. In return, those parents need more support. We're talking about women, those moms need more support.
0: Excellent.